Within printed page rests fates unseen, doused in ink and laid between. Shadows lurk within your findings to other realms and beyond the binding. Hello, I am Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bindings. This week, we are going to be covering Good Omens, which is written by both Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Honestly, I think it's the uh, it's the only co-written book I've ever done on here. I have not, to be honest, I have not read many co-written books. This might be the only one I'm aware of, except for... The first book in The Expanse, uh, Leviathan Wakes, I think is what it's called. And that book is written under a pen name, but was written by two guys. I don't, I forget either of their names. I read it a long time ago. I really enjoyed it, but I never finished the series. I never kept going after the first book for whatever reason. Did I, did like it. Thought it was good. I've been told to watch the show, which is on Amazon Prime now. But I have not, which is interesting because Good Omens actually is a show on Amazon Prime as well. And I will get to, I'll talk a little bit about that towards the end. Now, Good Omens was published in 1990. It initially came from an idea that Neil Gaiman had. I guess from what I read in the in the back of the book where they're talking about it, basically Gaiman came up with an idea sent a very short story form of it to Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett liked it but didn't know where it went, and uh, I guess they put it in the drawer and got back to it a year or so later, and it ended up being the story we know today as Good Omens or the Nice and Accurate Prophecy of Agnes Nutter, which... Now, this was published in 1990. For Gaiman, it's actually, from what I found, his first like full-length published novel. I know he was a journalist beforehand. That's how him and Pratchett met. He was actually doing an interview after Pratchett's first Discworld book called The Color of Magic came out in 1985, and I guess Gaiman was interviewing him, and that's how they got to know each other. Uh, Good Omens is one of the books, is one of, uh, not few, but like reading the end, like the little author bits at the end, is 100% worth it, basically with anything Gaiman does, and... It's just kind of fun to hear Neil Gaiman talk about Pratchett and to hear Terry Pratchett talk about Neil Gaiman. It's uh, it's it 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 gives you a pretty good understanding of why this book is what it is, why they're able to kind of convey one voice in it and everything like that. Now Terry Pratchett, he had several books that came out before this, being his first Discworld book, which was The Color of Magic, which is a two, is actually a two. One story collected in two different books. The second one is called The Light Fantastic. I read the first five Discworld books, and I believe those first five all came out before Good Omens. Sorry if you just heard my dog bark. You might hear it again. Um, so Discworld is is really fun. I enjoy the Discworld books. There's like 43 of them now. Terry Pratchett died in 2015. I'm pretty sure he had several other Discworld books written as well, or at least manuscripts for them. And they're really cool because they range from being uh, like complete satire, very, very funny fantasy, to being, um, some of them have a little bit deeper themes and can even get a little bit darker. I'm not going to get into any Discworld stuff right now, uh, and I'll talk about that at the end. So, first off, Good Omens 
is on a list that is probably filled with uh if i were to make a list of my top 10 standalone novels of all time i i, I don't know which would i don't know what would be number one i don't know what would be number 10 i don't know what would fall anywhere between two and nine but i can tell you for a fact uh good omens would be on there along with i would say at least two other neil gaiman books as far as standalone novels go i i let i rank good omens to be one of my favorite of all time this is a reread for me this is the second time i've read it i've watched the show and it's just it's so amazing the the way that Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett are able to make one consistent voice. Now, I, I don't, I assume that authors have been able to do this many times throughout, um, throughout literature's history. And I know that like, uh, Peter Straub, I think is his name, S-T-R-A-U-B. This is who Stephen King wrote The Talisman with. And I haven't read this book either. But, and he wrote one other with him, and Stephen King wrote one other collaborated work with Peter's job, and I assume that because they decided to do it again, there must have been some pretty good response from it, so I'm interested just to kind of get, like, my curiosity has, has kind of been peaked, has kind of been sparked over not the fact that people are able to write a story together, but the fact that they're able to create one voice, which I think I find I find from Good Omens, I realize now that that must be essential because if you were just told this was written by one person, you would never know the difference because it's so consistent. And being familiar, very familiar with Neil Gaiman's work and not I couldn't say I'm not as familiar with Pratchett's work. I've read this and five Discworld books, so I've read about six of his books, but again, there's 43 of them. There's really not that many Neil Gaiman books, and that's with the Sandman graphic novels set aside, which I have not read. I've talked about it before, but they really do. They're able to create this consistent voice that is, you know, I guess the 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 part of it that I love is you can pick apart like the humor aspects and that would be very familiar with Terry Pratchett's work as well as kind of the darker um, more metaphysical concepts that Neil Gaiman goes for but Pratchett goes for a lot of that stuff in a different way as well I think that's why they kind of meld together and same with Gaiman towards the humor like a lot of Neil Gaiman's books have this very ironic humor that they revolve around. The Anansi Boys, which I covered a few months ago, is a great example of that ironic humor. Some of his books are 100% serious, and there's, you know, of course there's probably some little bit of lightheartedness here and there, but Good Omens is truly one of the only books I've ever read that, like, actually made me laugh. Like, I, like, actually laughed. Not just like, oh, that's funny, but it it made me laugh which is not something i guess humor in a way is so visual to us and it's probably because we've trained our brains to respond to humor in that visual way i do like stand-up comedy on road trips i do put stand-up comedy on so i guess that that's kind of, obviously is not necessarily a visual thing but there is a difference sometimes you'll watch a comedy special and it'll be really funny but then you'll listen to the same special and it maybe doesn't have that same appeal. So I think there's something visual about comedy that kind of lends in its favor. 
And Good Omens is still able to capture that comedy within a novel and help you to uh, increase your mood, make you laugh. I don't know. I love this story. It's, it's like I said, it in my top 10 of standalone novels of all time. Now, this is a book that I think that really, like, everybody should read. And if you don't want to read... Um, if you don't want to read the book, just go watch the Amazon show because I truly believe that the Amazon adaptation of Good Omens is super well done. I know that Neil Gaiman kind of had a hand in a lot of the creation of it as well. And I think everything from casting to just how they emphasize certain parts of the story, I think they did a really, really great job. So overall, what this story is about is the apocalypse. It kind of revolves around these two characters named Aziraphale, who is a angel from heaven, and Crowley, who is a demon from hell. Now, essentially, they're both from heaven because Crowley was once an angel. And it kind of begins when you're introduced to these characters about how Crowley, along with the Dark Lord, who would be Satan, I don't think they necessarily call him Satan. I think they call him like the Dark Lord or um, they kind of have a few different names for him. And it kind of, you're kind of introduced to how like the divide they had between the God figure and why they ended up leaving heaven in the first place. And Crowley, instead of falling from hell, he kind of saunters, which I think is so funny. That's just the way that Gaiman and Pratchett choose to describe Crowley as a character is really fantastic. But Aziraphale and Crowley are sent by both sides or separate sides to go live on earth to kind of be ready to usher in the apocalypse and the coming of the Antichrist when the time comes. Now, so we're talking like you're introduced to these two and it's like the beginning of time of, you know, of the Catholic Bible or Christian Bibles at a or perception of the beginning of, of humanity with the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. And so that's how you're introduced to Aziraphale and Crowley and then you quickly move forward through time and you don't you don't really get any in between that and Crowley and Aziraphale in the current time but you once you get to them in the current time you are very aware right away that they are both very fond of humans but also fond of what humans have provided for them as far as kind of I guess the luxuries of life and you 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 have an idea that Aziraphale and Crowley have a fondness for humans just in general, but they also have a job to usher in the end of the end of the world or the end of humanity and kind of that last battle between heaven and hell. And so this all starts where they're, uh, Crowley kind of has to be in this location to help bring the Antichrist into the world where he can actually be raised by a human family. So they set up all these circumstances and this huge turn of events um, goes on in this hospital. And it is just so incredible. Like to retell it would be just to be doing it harm completely because it is so beautifully told and just like mas masterfully crafted for you to just be so thrilled to just keep turning pages because it's just so silly and it's so ridiculous and like it, you can't say it's believable because it's just you know it's you're talking about them passing the antichrist back and forth but it is so funny 
And so essentially the Antichrist ends up in the wrong hands, which neither side really expected. And he's raised by just a just a middle class family in England in the countryside. I believe the town or village they live in is called Tadfield. And he grows up under the name Adam Young. And you fast forward and Adam Young is an 11 year old. And he's got like a little crew of just rapscallion kids who just cause trouble, but innocent trouble. And they're referred to as the them. And Adam is the Antichrist, so like he essentially has the powers of, of his father. Um, but at the same time, he's a kid, so you get so much of like his perceptions of the world and what he finds entertaining and you also see these funny things where like he's kind of manipulating the world around him and he doesn't really realize it just based on his just like illegitimate thoughts that a child has which like if you spend any other any time with it with like a i mean any age child up until they're like teenagers they just like the things that come out of their mouth sometimes are so absurd and these are the types of things that Adam is essentially bringing into the world just because he's thinking of them and declaring them as the truth. Now, something that is that will draw anybody's eye is that the name of this story is Good Omens, and right under it on every cover it says the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which now this is a super essential part of the story. Because Agnes Nutter lived like a hundred years, several hundred years before the events of Good Omens, and she is a witch who is who writes books of prophecy. And the first book she wrote is the Nice and Accurate Prophecies, and nice meaning precise. Nice, nice not meaning uh, like good or anything like that. It's nice means precise. They talk about that quite a bit in the book that is referenced quite a bit. And a lot of, uh, uh, basically a lot of what goes on in the book is predicted by Agnes Nutter in her prophecies book. And this all kind of gets weaved in and out of each other, especially because Aziraphale is a collector of books. And this is like one of his most sought after books of all time. And he ends up falling across it at one point in the story. And you're introduced to this book by the great 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 grandniece or something like that of of Agnes Nutter and her name is Ananthema Device and Ananthema's whole family has been trying to decipher Agnes Nutter's prophecies like since she died but the ironic part about it is she's prophesizing things that are happening in the 1980s and 1990s and she's in like the 16 or 1700s so she has just these really funny ways of trying to explain I guess like common technology that she there was there would be no reason for her to be aware of in the time that she was living through that you get introduced to two characters newt pulsiver and shadwell and they are like these witch hunters and shadwell is like this crazy old man who is like obsessed with hunting witches and he's been in this like this witch hunters guild for like his whole life and it's it's just a really humor is part of this story and i think that um the inclusion of it although maybe not necessary does add a nice little element of humor that kind of continues throughout the plot and also just kind of adds in some fun little prophecies that they pepper in from the nice and accurate prophecies of agnes nutter which um so because this is the coming of the apocalypse as in the bible 
there is the characters of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and this is a really cool kind of just build out of whether you believe in christianity or anything like that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are kind of shining a light on some of the problems we have in the world whether or not you believe in this religion or any religion doesn't really matter because these are still problems in the world and it's almost as if like the four horsemen kind of sum up some of the biggest issues humanity has had and will continue to have probably unfortunately and the four horsemen are in this story they're war famine and pollution those are the three that are kind of separate from the final one the final one's almost kind of like the boss and it's pollution in this story because of the time period it's taking place obviously pollution continued to increase throughout the 1900s and really has even continues to come to a head now might even be worse than it ever has been but in the bible it's not pollution it's pestilence which is basically like infectious disease or plague which obviously you know still could play a role today as we have seen with um over the past couple of years and then the final four horsemen is death the and he's basically like the leader she's basically the leader they don't actually ever really put a gender necessarily on uh, on death now that i think about it and uh death's character is interesting and i have i want to ask it, like neil gaiman has a q a at his show in a couple of weeks and i you know odds of me getting to ask a question is minimal but i've have i have my question plotted out I want to ask if the death character in Good Omens is the same death character that Pratchett uses in the Discworld series because death plays a pretty big role in Discworld as like an individual character and there's a couple of similarities in the writing style that I'd be that I'm curious about so I would like to ask that question if I get a chance um Mort is the one death book that I read and Mort is the fourth Discworld book and honestly of the five I read it's hands down the best one it was it's a really good read and it goes beyond a little bit of the humor and into a little bit more serious topics I believe at least now the four horsemen of the apocalypse it's just interesting the reason I bring it up is because it's an essential part of the story but it also a lot of it is like I said it kind of shines a light on some of the big problems that we have here in humanity because although this is a comedy very much it is still has these elements of like hey humanity like look it's funny but it's funny kind of because because it's true so like maybe we should take this and try and learn from it and i do really respect gaiman and pratchett for being able to do that in such a nice easy going way and it, it's just it it does make you smile it can also make you feel a little down but it does make you smile that they are able to do that in such a in such a calm level-headed way now, as far as themes go from this, I mean, there's a lot because you can get into like the religious aspects of it and everything like that. But I think one of the biggest themes that I was able to pick out is that you always have the ability to change. That even if you think your future is preconceived or that there's some sort of self-fulfilled prophecy that you've already set in place for yourself, that that doesn't always have to be how it ends up 
in a given situation, in a set of given situations, you have the ability to change your state and change the way you approach a situation, even when you think that it's finite, that it is what it is. So I thought that that was really, really interesting. And, and again, I think that if you decide to read this or you decide to watch the show on Amazon, keep that in mind because just because you were raised on a, I'm going to say you were raised on a cattle farm doesn't mean you have to grow up and become a cattle farmer, I guess is, is, a, is a good way to put it. And if you read the story, you'll see what I'm saying, that you don't have to follow in the path of what everybody expects you to do. Do what you want to do, be yourself, project the good into the world, and be that individual. And I think that that is a really important theme that, that, that comes out in Good Omens. And I don't think it takes that hard of a look to, to find it. So keep an eye out if you decide to, to read this book. And if you decide not to read the book, go on Amazon Prime if you haven't and watch the show. Because I will be 100% honest when I say this. I think that the Good Omens adaptation on Amazon Prime could possibly be the most nice and accurate adaptation of any show or of any book I have seen. I think they did an amazing job taking a story that's doable. They didn't have to cut out a lot. In fact, they added a little bit. They were able to use Neil Gaiman and use him for his creativity. He might have even written uh, episodes of the show. He might have even written all every episode. I'm not sure. I was planning on rewatching it actually. Um, Maybe I'll start that tonight or this week sometime. But so I think that they were able to capture a lot of just the overall tone of this story. And I think they did a magnificent job. I think they casted the show incredibly well. Um, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. It's totally worth watching. And uh, and it does give you the story, and it gives you exactly the story. I, I don't think they changed it any of the major aspects. I know they added a couple of characters on the heaven side of things. Like, I believe the actor John Hamm plays Gabriel, the angel, uh, the archangel Gabriel, I believe. Um, and he is not necessarily... I know he's mentioned at one point in Good Omens, but he's not, um, he's not a character in it like he is in the show. And it's worth checking out. It's hilarious. And they do uh, they do everything. All the major points are done really, really well, including the baby swap at the beginning. So if you don't read it, you can watch the show and still get a lot of those aspects as well. Now, moving forward, this is actually the last episode before I go see Neil Gaiman. So it's in two weeks for me as I'm recording this because it's the first week, the first Tuesday of May, right? Or first Monday of May right now. But when this will come out, it'll be uh, the weekend after this. I'll be going to see Neil Gaiman at the Auditorium Theater here in the Chicago. In I was going to say the Chicagoland area. That theater is in Chicago, though, and I'm really excited. So the week after that, next week for you, will just be an episode of me kind of wrapping up and talking about Neil Gaiman's writing, as well as talking about the show and everything that kind of went into it. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. Now, I know I had talked about being on this Neil Gaiman kick, and I very am still on this Neil Gaiman kick. But the thing that happened to me the last time I read Good Omens happened to me this time as well. Especially because I had just come off of reading a bunch of Neil Gaiman books. But now, 
I really want to read Terry Pratchett books again. So I started Discworld over. I was going to just jump into book six, which is called Weird Sisters, I believe. Um, but I decided that I'm going to reread the first five and continue on from there. I'm not going to read all of the Discworld books at once. I'll probably do the first two, take a break, go back to the third, something like that. You know me. I'm not set in stone, so we'll see how it goes. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to cover some Terry Pratchett stuff. His books are shorter. They probably won't be as long of episodes for us here on Beyond the Bindings, but it's going to be good because I love those books. And if you want to follow along, just go pick up the first couple of Discworld books. Um, the first one's called The Color of Magic, and then it's The Light Fantastic. Those two are together. And then Equal Rights. Equal Rights is really good, too. So I'm excited to get into those. So if you don't have a library card, go get a library card. Uh, if you're not reading, read some books. If you don't feel like reading Good Omens, watch the show. And as always, I am Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bindings. <laughs>